You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible in Matthew chapter 6. Praise God. Now family, and we've been talking a lot lately about restoration, reconciliation through the relationship with God. And we know that as the year draws to an end, we know that when God gives a prophetical word, there's times and seasons, but He's the God of the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, God says when He speaks His word, He'll watch over that word to perform it. And He says, have I not said it, and will I not do it? And so He's not a man that He would lie. And there's something about prophetical language that sometimes when God speaks, He'll speak to a season, and yet what He says is true for life. It's true for any time. When God told Adam to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion, that instruction hasn't changed to man. And so God will speak a word in season. And it's very easy that when you get the next word, is that then we sometimes we lose sight of the previous word that was spoken. And that's very often where traditional religion gets off track because we hear a word, get stuck in it, and then God speaks, and then we move on in a, in a similar direction, but now the next phase, and sometimes we get trapped in the old phase. Or you get the other extreme is now you dump the old and go everything with the new. And yet we know that they're foundations, line upon line, precept upon precept. So when God says restoration, we know that that restoration, the word of restoration has been taking place for 2,000 years. Since Jesus paid the price for it, He's been restoring his kingdom. And the Bible says the heavens are retaining him until the restoration of all things. And so the Lord gave us this word as we entered into 2021, because how many you recognize that since 2019, I mean, we've been through some serious stuff, you know, as I grew up as a young man and, uh, you know, in the church and, and, and growing as a child of God. There's always, you know, Satan's never going to give up on us. I mean, that's not a bad confession. It's just that he, he's coming to steal the word for the word's sake. So Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So he's teaching us how to resist the attacks of Satan so that we can fulfill what God's called us to do. And so no matter how many attacks come along, but how many of you kind of felt like the last two years was, I mean, you've been attacked and now these two years has been ridiculous. I mean, I mean, a lot of people have been through some terrible things. You know, there's been a lot of families were hit with tragedies and, and where people have gone on to be in heaven before, you know, they've uh, they, they, gone before they should have gone, if you can put it that way. The, the enemy is stolen. But praise God. We thank God for those that are saved and are in heaven. And we rejoice with them. Amen. And so we understand that. Also, many of us have, been, have felt attacks in our lives when it comes to uh, our businesses, finances. Many people lost their jobs. Many people lost their family businesses that they built up over many years. A lot of people have been finding a lot of stress financially. And of course, there's also the emotional side where uh, because of all the lockdowns and everything that's been happening. But how do you know that whatever the devil tries to do, God always counters that? Uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise a standard against him. And we thank God for that. There's something about God. And when he gets painted into a corner, it's like, you know, you want to find... That's where God thrives, is in the restoration business. Uh, you've noticed every time you hear of any great hero of faith, 
It's been through a war, through a famine, through some kind of attack. Why? Because God will always have the last say. Even the Bible tells us that had the prince of this world known, he would never have crucified Jesus. He would never have crucified Jesus. Why? Because he didn't see what was coming. He thought he was silencing one Christ, and then in doing that, now all of a sudden we fill the planet. There's, there's millions of us. And I'm sure he's looking back on that day and thinking, what was I thinking? Well, I believe he's going through the same thing when he tried to bring COVID-19 into this earth. You want to try and silence the church? You want to try and push the church into its homes? You want to take the church out of their meeting places and try to get them to back off? You shot your foot. You shot yourself in the foot. Amen. That was the biggest mistake you can make because the church will not be put down. The church will not be silenced. And we are rising up stronger than ever before. We're coming out louder than ever before. And this gospel will be preached in all the earth. And God will not be put down. Even Job, when he lost everything, he lost his children, he lost his staff, his, his businesses, all of his goods, I mean, he wiped him out. Even his wife would say to him, now just curse God and die. And he said, even though the Lord slay me, yet will I serve him. And he took himself off his mind and he interceded for his friends. <laughs> I mean, his life, he's hit the bottom, man. His body's full of sores and he's, I mean, he's just, you can't get worse than that. And what does he do? He starts to pray for his friends. I mean, this man had a heart for his, of love. And the Bible says God took him and restored him, and he had twice what he had before. Have you ready for some restoration? Have you ready for some restoration? And family of God, as 2021 comes to an end, I want you to hold fast because I'm telling you, we are heading for great breakthroughs like so many. It is happening. I mean, you, you, you think what your restoration looks like. Just think it for a moment. Just what does my restoration look like? Nah, that's too small. Because our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could ever ask or think. Jesus said yeah, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Family, how many of you notice birds are not out begging? You don't have birds worrying the night before. I wonder, you know, mom taught me the early bird catches the worm. I better get up real early because all the other birds know that too and I don't want to miss my worm. Have you noticed birds have no problem? You've never seen a bird fall over from hunger. There's always enough food. And they don't sow or reap. You and I have been given the privilege of sowing and reaping. Birds will always have food. Animals have food. Are you with me? Verse 27. What are you, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? What does that mean? If you think you're too short... Doesn't matter how much you worry, you're not waking up taller. Now, have you noticed worrying doesn't change a situation? Worrying does not change a situation. Bump your neighbor, tell him, worrying doesn't change it. Come on, how many of you have really, before you were saved, perfected worrying? 
I mean, you sat up late, woke up early, through the night, worry, worry, worry. It didn't change anything. Isn't that right? Now, if you think about it, worrying is just meditation. Meditating. If you're told to meditate the word, people say, I don't know how to do that. Well, have you ever had a worry? Well, that was good meditation. You thought about something over and over and over, and maybe even told people about it, but it never changed the situation. The difference with faith is when you think about that and you speak the word of God, it does change the situation. Hallelujah. So, verse 28, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Now, does that sound like an instruction or a suggestion? That's an instruction, isn't it? That's not, I, I, guys, I, I don't think you should worry. I recommend you don't. No, this is plain out straight. Do not worry. Do not worry. So evidently Jesus thinks you're capable of this. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Just lift your hand and say, thank God. God knows what I need. Well, how come I'm not seeing it? Hang in there. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, God knows you need things. Now, the enemy can go to two extremes. He can either make us extremely uh, materialistic and all we want is things, 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 things. And then we get saved and we find out that's not actually a good thing to be materialistic. Well, then the devil tries to push us to the other ditch where now I don't need anything. Uh, if I think I need something, then maybe that's been materialistic. No, God knows you need material things. Your house is a material thing. Clothes are material things. How do you desire clothes? Of course we do. That's not being materialistic. You need clothes. You need food. But you notice Jesus talking about priorities here. He's telling us you need these things, but what the enemy is trying to do is take your mind off the things of God and get you focused on what you don't seem to have. What you, what you think you need, and it's only about tomorrow, because today you've got all the clothes you need. You are fed. You, you will make it. If you don't, even if you don't eat today, you'll make it till tomorrow morning. You, 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 you're with me. You, you've, you have enough food, drink, wearing clothes. You've got somewhere to live tonight. You sort it. So the worry is about tomorrow. And notice he says yeah, do not worry. Do not worry. Now I know how that can be difficult, particularly when you're in a situation when you seem to have lost everything. When it seems like what we trusted in the past is not there anymore. I used to know what to do, Pastor Alan. I had this business and it was set up for life and now it's gone. Where do I go now? What do I do next? Now remember Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Paul says, be anxious for. Does that sound like the same thing? It's the same instruction. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. How do we do that? But in everything by 
prayer and supplication, listen to this now, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Heavenly God, you and I cannot think ourselves into peace. Have you noticed, if you're dealing with a worry, you can sit there quietly and try and think good thoughts. Have you noticed the worry thoughts just keep coming in? So you can't think away worry thoughts. The only thing that's going to get your heart into a place of rest is the peace of God. And he says for that peace to get you to that place of rest, you're going to have to enter into thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. So when I'm praising God, now notice, when are we supposed to thank God? He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How often? Start the verse again. Be anxious for nothing but in, in everything. In everything. What does everything mean? Everything. Look it up in the Greek. It means Everything. Why? Because that's what everything means. So in everything, well, am I supposed to thank God for COVID-19? No. It says in everything. So you're not thanking God for COVID-19, but now that we're in the situation of a pandemic, we still thank God in the midst of that situation. If I've been laid off from my job, I don't thank God for laying me off, but even though I've been laid off, I'm going to keep praising Him. How many times people turn around, God, how could you let this happen? God, where are you? God, I thought your word said. God, my pastor taught me. God, I, I know you've never said that. I'm just telling on me. I, 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 that was my early days as a young Christian. It's like, God, I'm, I'm doing what Pastor Theo said. And I, What are we saying? That God's holding back on His word? That he said, yes, I know I said that, but I didn't see 2019 coming. Do you really think God put in brackets, except when? No, in all things. In all things. Even if the king is threatening to throw you into a fire. Go ahead, king. Because I'm, you're not going to get me to bow my knee. I, I, I'm not going to burn. I'm trusting God. Yeah, I'm going to praise Him. Even if you put me in the fire, we're still going to praise Him. Yeah. See, in all things, giving thanks to God. And if we make our decision to give thanks to God, no matter what is happening to us, family, we have a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with how much? All your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In how many ways? In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Have you know God knows exactly what your solution is? I don't care if you were totally wiped out. When, when Job had lost everything, God knew where He wanted to take him. But He needed Job's heart in the right place. If Job had cursed God the way his wife said, he would have died. Because she said, curse God and die. And then he would have died and landed up going to hell. But his heart had to be in the right place. 
Because when we get our heart in the right place, listen to both what, what Jesus said, what Paul said, and what is written here. If I can summarize it. You seek first the kingdom of God. Then God takes over. And He will direct you. You'll be in a place of peace. And He will work it out for you. I've seen in my life many times it's been automatic. I, wasn't even, I didn't even change anything I did. I just changed my heart. I changed my attitude. I changed my stance. And by changing that, things worked out. I didn't even, I would never thought of doing that. There are times that God will give you a change of action that you need to either resign here or do something here or go by that. or He may give you an instruction, but it's in peace. But what we're really saying is that even in that, there are times that things happen, they work out, where you're hitting your head against a wall, and then you just change your attitude. Next time you go in, it's not there anymore. The wall's just not there. God directs your path. Tell your neighbor, God's making it work out for you. Is that good news? Now notice, he says here, it's when you trust God. Come down to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Now, that's a multidimensional verse. Obviously, you look at the spiritual aspect. Uh, new wine speaks of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we also, if you look at it in the natural, he's talking to. Uh, grain farmers, wine farmers, and they have produce that they bring out of the ground. And he says, if you put God first, honor him with the first. Everybody say first. Remember, Jesus said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. A lot of people don't know what that means. They can quote the verse, but what does seek first the kingdom of God mean? The kingdom is God's method, God's operation, God's system, God's way of doing things. When God gives us an instruction, it's for our good. God knows how the system works. See, when God says, thou shalt and thou shalt not, he's not just trying to take your fun out of everything and make things really difficult for you. No, he says, my burden's easy. My yoke's easy, my burden's light. And so if he's leading us, he knows how his system works. He knows how creation works. He knows how you, as a spirit being, work. And certain things work for us and certain things don't. It's like, you know, if, if, if your parents tell you don't eat that, that'll hurt you. This is bad, this will kill you. This is stuff that, you know, we don't say, but it smells nice. No, if you eat it, it will kill you. So we know that in the natural. So God, in the same way, in the realm of the Spirit, gives us certain information. So if we don't want to work with God and His kingdom so that everything's added... I have to put his priorities in place, and he's giving us keys here. Now, if you seek first the kingdom of God, we come to him first. And he says here, by honoring with the first ring, in other words, whatever you produce, put him first in it. Give to him first. Then your bonds will be filled with plenty. Now, as I said, he's talking to farmers. Today, we don't, unless you are a farmer, but the majority of us don't farm grain and, and oats and things like that. Uh, what, what do you farm? What do you produce? When you go work, what do you produce? 
mostly money, isn't that right? So if they store their grains in a barn, where would you store your money? Bank account. Okay, so let's read it that way. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your possessions. And so your bonds, your bank accounts, counts. It says bonds. So bank accounts. Uh, family, you've got to start thinking on a whole different dimension where it's not just a little savings account, you know, mula in, mula out. No, no, we have to be able to have, the, have money available to do things here. I need to have investments over here. I need to move money over there. Uh, are you with me? We have different bank accounts for different reasons, different purposes. Your bank accounts will be, where's the verse? Filled with? How many wouldn't mind that? Your vats will overflow with new wine. Does that sound like increase? Does that sound like restoration? Everybody say restoration. Notice he says yeah, it's honoring God first. Now you understand why God says in Malachi chapter 3, he says in verse 6, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Praise God. He's the same yesterday and today forever. What's he saying here? These sons of Jacob were due for a consuming. Come on. I mean, if, if, everything, if, if, if everything was just exactly, you know, legal and just, according to the justice system, God says, you're ready to be blown off the planet. That, that's where you've positioned yourself. But I made a covenant with your father Abraham. And because I made a covenant to protect and keep you as a family, I don't change. So now even though you're due for consuming, I made a decision based on covenant to come to you and set this thing right. Hallelujah. Say thank God. When he says something, he keeps his word. Verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Now, I fully get that question. Because, I mean, how many times have people made an accusation of you that you thought wasn't true? Uh, don't we get that little offense starting up? You get that little feeling, of, excuse me? Someone says, you do this and this. What? That's not me. I, I would never do that. Now, I mean, yeah, they said, God goes to them and says, you have robbed me. And they're like, what? Who would think of robbing God? Come on. Who in their right mind would think of robbing God? So obviously they didn't think they had robbed from God. And yet God says, you have robbed me. And so when they say in what way, God says in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. Everybody say tithes and offerings. Now, you think about this. First of all, you know, if you say we've robbed God in tithes and offerings, we get the idea that we've taken something that belongs to God, which is true. I mean, the Bible says that Leviticus 27, the tithe is the Lord's, it's holy. Uh, 
So you can understand that if something belongs to God and you take it, that would be considered robbing. Isn't that right? That's why I don't understand when people say, I can't afford to tithe. Now, hang on now. God has put his tithe in there with your stuff. It's like if, I, if, if, if you were, say you were going to the post office and I, and I heard you were going, I said, listen, I've got a parcel to pick up, but they want, you know, this 500 rand duty that I need to pay. Uh, would you mind picking up the parcel for me? You said, no, I'm there. I'll take it. So I said, give you 500 rand. Yeah, you can go and get my parcel for me. And then you come back a day or two later. And I said, where's my parcel? Uh, no, no, I, uh, I, I, I couldn't afford the duty. Excuse me? I couldn't afford the duty. What happened to the 500? No, no, I saw this nice pair of shoes and, and, I, and I thought, and uh, so I bought the shoes. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> that was my 500 for my duty on my parcel, and you said you would get it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it wasn't your 500. It was in your, it was in your wallet, but it wasn't yours. It was for you to use for my purpose. So God has a purpose for the tithe. So if I use it, you understand that that's, that would be part of when he says, why have you robbed me? But family, if you think about this really, how do you steal from God? Where are you going to hide it anyway? If you steal something, you can't let that person ever see it. Isn't that right? So where are you going to hide it? At the end of the day, really think about this. Everything belongs to God. God says the earth and the silver is His. The whole earth is the Lord's. Everything that's in it is His. Before you got here, it was already His. When you leave, you leave it all behind anyway. You go without it. So it's all God's. doesn't matter whether you keep it in your pocket or hide it or put it somewhere else. It is still God's. So technically, you can't steal from God. You, you're really not going to leave God any less off financially if you take his tithe. You're getting this. So, yes, you can teach around that. I have taught around that many times. But the more you study it out and you discover who God is and his heart, it's not about the stuff. I said it's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. Don't worry about what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. You think if you use the tithe, you can eat better or drink better or wear better. And he says, yeah, no, if you make a decision to seek me first. But what you don't understand by having taken the tithe and the offering to use for yourself, what's happened? You cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, have you know, God's not the one doing the curse. He's, he is so against the curse that he put his own son on a cross so that he can bear the curse so that the blessing can come on you. God is so against the curse, he will never, ever turn around and curse somebody. Anybody says, now that you have taken God's tithe, now God's cursing you, that's a lie. That is not, that's not what this verse is saying. That's saying, because you turned the light off, that's why you're in the dark. That's what he's saying. When the first person got here this morning, this place was dark. They didn't walk in and, and, and think, you know, I better phone Eskom and ask them to send some power. The power was already in the building. Isn't that right? 
And so they can beg and ask and plead and God, please send power. Eskom, please send power. Phone Eskom, send power. Power's on, sir. Please, we need, we need power in our building. Yeah, I know. But the guys next door, they all got lights. Yeah, I know. We, we need lights. Please send us lights. You're like, what? You got power. Go to the wall, flick a switch. And what will happen? You'll see the power. You are blessed. The day you gave your life to Jesus, you are blessed. Well, why don't I see it? Put the switch on. And God says, because you thought you could do more with the tithe, I wasn't first anymore. And as a result, your light's off. You're cursed. Now, what's the solution? Verse 10. Bring how much? All the tithe. Where? To the storehouse. Why? So that there's food in my house. God says, I'm going to use this to preach the gospel. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is food to your spirit. It is food to your soul. It is health to your flesh. Hallelujah. And God says, if you bring the tithe, there will be food in the house. And then he noticed this. He says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Family, whenever you see the Lord of hosts, he's talking about being the captain of the armies. This is something he's prepared to put his military force on to defend you. This is the only place all the way through the word. You see, Jesus tells us, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. James says, when you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. You notice demonic spirits is your and my responsibility. And yet this is one place God says, I will personally get involved to stop the devourer from getting involved in your financial affairs. I will block him from stealing your business, that which produces your fruit. And I will stop him from, I will block him from stopping your finances, the fruit that comes out of that business. God says, I will personally oversee this. Family of God, if God is God, and he is, and his word is yes and amen, then I don't tithe because of legal obligation. I don't tithe out of debt. I don't even tithe to pay the Godfather so I don't get cursed. I tithe because I recognize everything that I have comes from Him anyway. The very gifts and the talents that I have that I can turn into a business, He put those gifts and talents in me. The business that's producing it, that was His gift to me. The very air that I breathe that I'm alive today to be able to do that is because of His goodness and His life. The health that I'm experiencing is the blessing of God. And so if all He's asking is that I honor Him first, I bring the tithe willingly in thanksgiving. So when I don't bring it, 
I am robbing God of the privilege of fighting on my behalf. Do you understand how much God wants to protect you? How much He wants to provide for you? And by not putting Him first, I stop Him. And He says, that has robbed me of the ability to protect you, to keep you, to give you what I want to, to open the windows of heaven and you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. See, we're tempted through tough times to hold back on our offerings, to pull back on our tithe. But family of God, if we do that, then we're saying, well, I can do more with this than I think God can. One thing I've learned, that through tough times, that's the last thing that will go. I will cut down on everything. But I've looked a bank manager in the eyes that was trying to help me through a budget and said, if you didn't give so much to the church, we could maybe help balance your books. I said, you don't understand. I'm not giving to a church. I'm honoring God with this. That's the last thing you touch. And because of that, I watched God deliver us again and again and again. Come on, give Jesus praise. Say this. The tithe of the Lord is a gift. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Can you see that? See, family God, when we're in that place and we're honoring God first, then we are blessed, the winners of heaven open, and that's when you see 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a... What's a cheerful giver? It's a giver who gives in thanksgiving. Not because they're obligated to. Not because they're giving grudgingly or of necessity. It's something we desire to do. And when we do that, what happens? And God is able. That means just before what was described in giving out of our hearts, God was not able to. But now because our heart is in the right place, God is able to make all grace abound towards you and you'll always have all sufficiency in all things. Have an abundance for every good work. You've heard me say it before, that's a lot of alls and everys and always. How you wouldn't mind your house paid off in full. No more bond. You own your car, no car payments. Petrol tanks full. Grocery cupboards full. School fees are paid. Got all your clothes. Salary's coming in a few days. And you don't really know what to do with it. How many wouldn't mind that? Is that possible? That's exactly what that verse is describing. You've heard me say it before. Jesus, if you didn't mean that, you shouldn't have put it in the book. Well, I don't know, but I don't think. No, that's what he said. I'm going to believe. That I always have all sufficiency for all things and abundance for every good work. Now watch this in verse 10. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Will supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase your fruits of righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. 
or generosity. God wants to make you so that you can be generous. And that causes thanksgiving through us to God. Everybody say thanksgiving. See, when I'm honoring God this way, thanksgiving is just the natural thing. It just flows out of us. And abundance. A family of God, you can understand from this scripture, if he's talking about seed sowing, if I don't sow today, I have scheduled a time of lack in my future. People say, things are so tough, I need to use the money now for myself. Now, hang on now. A farmer that does it. I'm so hungry, I'm going to eat all my wheat. And then next season comes, he looks at his field. God, how come I don't have, how come I don't have any wheat in the field? Yeah, you ate it. Yeah, but you God, you should be giving me more wheat. How you know? A farmer knows in the natural, he needs to put seed in the ground if in a month, year's time he's going to have a harvest of wheat. So the same way, as we look to our future, be very cautious of thinking, things are tight, I need to hold back on my giving. Because if we do that, we're scheduling lack. But you can change that. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I can say, all right, I need a harvest in my future. And notice this, give us your purpose in your heart, not your head. Lean not to your own understanding. Father, you know what's coming up. You know what I'm going to need. So what kind of seed should I be planting? Then you listen for what God says, and he will give you an instruction. Now you do it out of faith, not out of fear anymore. You're giving because you know God has led you to do it, and it's now an honoring of thanksgiving. And in doing that, you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? All these other things will be added to you. Amen. Praise God. Have you ready to walk in that kind of life? Come on, give Jesus praise if this blessed you. Thank God for his word. So today, as you prepare with the tithe, the offering, I want to encourage you. Many, many of us may have been through tough times. Maybe you missed out on a tithe. Now, let, again, remember, all word, all word that's given to us is for instruction, reproof, and correction. But how you know God never does it through condemnation? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if the devil tries to put some pressure on you and because you maybe missed a tithe, Makes you feel guilty. He's going to try and, well, you flip the switch the other way. You know, don't worry. You're okay. Now you realize, oh, I should have tied. He's going to try and get on your case. Now the word says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you of unrighteousness. Just say, Father, I missed it. I, I, I realize from today's word, I'm honoring you. From this day on, I'm going to bring your tithe because I'm going to put you first. And then from this moment on, make a decision. Whatever the Lord gives you, you're going to honor Him first. And as you honor Him first, you live under that open window of heaven. And then make a decision to sow your seed. Amen. So right now, just as you get ready, there's an envelope under your chair. And if you are giving, uh, you can either give through the envelope or you can use SnapScan with the codes are on the envelope, or Zappa for international uh, viewers. You can use your international credit card. What I want you to do for a moment is just say, Father, say this with me, Father, from this day on, I choose to honor you first. You have blessed me, and in thanksgiving, 
I return the tithe. Everything you gave me comes from you. And I'll always seek you first. Seek your kingdom first. To honor you first. Whatever you give me, I return the tithe, your tithe, to the house of God. I live under open window of heaven. And you see what I need for my future. And as I head into my future, I'm asking you now, show me what seed will prepare me for that harvest in Jesus' name. Now just listen in your heart. The Lord will drop it in your heart. No one can force you to do anything. No one makes you do anything. It is always going to be from your heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now act on that. Because now you're acting in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And you're ready to go up. Ready for increase. Ready for more. Amen. Glory. Are you ready for tonight? I'm excited, man. Wow. Just give people a moment to prepare their harvest, their, their seed. Well, it's preparing their harvest. See, your seed is prophesying harvest. Hey, the best is to come. Thank you, Jesus. All right. You ready with that seed? Hold it in your hand. Say, Father, in my hand is a declaration of my future. Here it is. You built into the law of seed time and harvest. I've honored you with the tithe. The windows of heaven are open. I am blessed. You've given me seed for sowing. And today as I sow the seed, my harvest is certain. You're not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. And I receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen.